Please uh, open your Bibles to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. We'll read from 19 to 34. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. The sermon passage will focus on verses 25 to 34, but we'll read from 19 for uh, context. Hear the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Let's pray. Loving God and gracious God, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. So we pray that that you you would speak to us, and what we have not, give us what we know not, uh, speak to us, and what we are not, make us. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the Sermon of the Mount. 
the crowds gather around Jesus, and he begins uh, teaching them. And if you recall, you know the sermon. This sermon is all about the blessedness of the kingdom. It's about the way of life that leads to true happiness. If you live like this, if you if you live like this with your neighbors, you can experience uh, human flourishing, the way God uh, designed um, it to be. So Jesus here, he's cast, he, in the sermon, he casts a vision for how we should live in the kingdom of God, and he is offering to you and me, uh, this, if you, this is how you truly, this is how you can truly be free. And this is how you can truly experience uh, the blessedness in this life and, and, and more so in the next. So we're in chapter 6, which is in the middle of the, the sermon. And chapter 6 is all about um, true devotion, true religion, which is, which, is, um, which is from the heart. And in our passage, Jesus focuses on the problem of anxiety, Okay. And, and it's an anxiety over material possessions. And before I, 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 um, I dive into the problem, I have two points here to start, uh, for you today, the problem and the solution. But before we dive into that, uh, let me just say a brief word about anxiety uh, in general. Nobody, would, nobody here would probably deny that anxiety is a, a, a part of the fabric of human life. And maybe you're anxious today. Maybe you're anxious about your, your deadlines uh, coming up or you're pressed for time and you have, you got so much to do and too little time. Maybe your doctor's appointment is tomorrow and you're just dreading um, to go. You're not anticipating good news and you're anxious. Your budget, your budget expenses keep growing, and uh, you don't know where you're going to get the money to, to pay your bills. And I'm sure if we all went around the room, right, we can each name something, at least one thing, that is worrying us right now. We all have anxieties. It's a part of human nature. Human beings, because we have the capacity to desire a good, Right? We have the capacity to long for, to desire a good. And by good, I mean like a job or a marriage or, a, or good health or friendship. That's part of being human, to, 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 to desire, to have desires and to love. But having the capacity to love and desire is also what makes us vulnerable to fear. Anxiety how we can define it. Anxiety is the fear of losing that good. The fear of losing that good you so love. And therefore, anxiety is always asking the question, what if? Right? It's asking the, the future oriented. It's future oriented. It's asking the what if question. What if something bad happens to my children? Something bad happens to my uh, marriage? What if I lose my job? What if I hear from my doctor tomorrow that um, I was diagnosed with terminal disease. You see, uh, 
fear, anxiety is the fear of losing what we have or not getting what we want. It's a natural response to a perceived threat or difficulty. Synonyms for anxiety, worry, trouble, uncertainty, distress, fidgeting, nervousness, fear, uh, panic. It is a bodily response. You feel it. Uh, Forget this. We're embodied beings. Um, And emotions are felt in the body. Some of us feel it. We start sweating. Our heart beats faster. um, And we breathe faster. And and what makes this complex is that our, our finitude, our human weakness, and, and also suffering can cause us to, some of us to be more prone to anxiety than others. This adds another layer to it. Genetic predisposition. Our temperaments. In the Korean culture, um, one of the um, common conversation starters is to talk about our blood types because our blood types could indicate our, our, our temperaments. And if you're a blood type A, then you're an anxious person. You're a natural warrior. Obviously, it's not based on scientific evidence, but <laughs> we talk about it. Um, and, and an unstable home can make you, social conditions, right, can make us more prone. A significant change in life, an unexpected Circumstance, trauma, abuse, growing up in poverty, not having like basic needs, residing without natural protections, living under the constant threat of oppression. What about life stages? The older we get, I find the older I get, the more jealous I get of Isaiah because he just looks like he never worries and he's just always carefree. And I feel like the older I get, the more I just get anxious because ordinarily, the older you get, the more responsibilities you take on and the more significant those responsibilities get. And with greater responsibility and more responsibilities, the more anxiety, more reason to be anxious. And I didn't even mention uh, our global pandemic. (laughs) Um, And that probably doesn't help with our anxiety. So anxiety... um, is, is a, 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 um, a struggle, a daily struggle for all of us. But it, it's not bad per se. Anxiety is not bad per se. It's a God-given emotion. So, and when it's functioning pr- properly according to its design, it protects, us, uh, protects ourselves from um, dangers, potential dangers. It, it alerts us to dangers. It prepares us for an intense um, situation. Like right now, I'm anxious, and, and it helps me to focus. Um, it, propels our, it propels ourselves to act well toward our neighbor and to live virtuously. And it can reveal our, 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 the goods that we value and cherish the most. And here, um, Jesus is, is he, commanding us to not be anxious. He, three times, just in this passage alone, 
He says, don't be anxious. And six times he uses the word anxiety. So then the question is, if anxiety is a God-given natural bodily response to perceive difficulties or, or losses, Jesus, what's the big deal with anxiety, right? Um, why is this a problem? Why, why is it not compatible with the way of the kingdom? The problem is not with anxiety. The problem is with, um, I believe here, undue anxiety caused by misplaced desires. I'll repeat that. The problem here that Jesus is addressing here is undue anxiety caused by misplaced desires. That's what we need to avoid. That's what's not in line with the vision of the kingdom way of life. Jesus is addressing a particular kind of anxiety. Where am I getting that? If you go back to the first verse, verse 25 in our text, the word therefore says therefore, don't be anxious. Therefore is a connector word, right? It connects our passage to the previous passage. So in other words, because Jesus is saying, because this is what I said in verses 19 to 23, you should do verse 25. So Jesus here is warning his hearers that you cannot serve money, and that's what he had previously mentioned, that you cannot serve God and money. You will either hate the one and love the other, but you can't serve two masters. Um, and when Jesus, in, in verse 25, when he, say, when he says, don't be anxious, he's saying, since you should not serve money, you should not serve money in your care uh, for life necessities. In other words, this kind of anxiety about food and water one that is the one that needs to be avoided because it's rooted in a uh, uh, disordered desire for material possessions by which we acquire basic needs like food and water. And, and I think when we typically think of the vice of greed, right? When we think of a greedy person, we, we often think of it in terms of outward behaviors like excessive buying or um, excessive saving, excessive hoarding, reckless spending. And the greedy person is the person who has three Corvettes in his garage or, or the guy who purchases um, only um, um, uh, designer brand products. No, greed is first and foremost an inner condition of the heart. It, it's the inner condition that gives rise to these uh, outward manifestations. So when we are greedy, our hearts excessively uh, desire um, material goods or, or money that can buy us goods. And, and sometimes, in this case, like this case, it shows up in our uh, uh, undue worrying about life. Please don't misunderstand Jesus. He's not saying that it's, it's wrong to be anxious. You need them. We, it's natural to want them. Um, but if we care too much, that's the problem. We care too much about goods by which we acquire our basic needs. We are essentially serving it as our master, which Jesus is saying we need, you need to avoid that. Then you might object to Jesus and say, but Jesus, isn't, isn't life much more complex than that, right? 
I mean, even if I grant that my anxiety is, is, is rooted in a sinful desire, I mean, there's so many other causes, right? Like, as we named, like, some things can make us more prone to anxiety, our conditions, our, our, like our, our physical uh, 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 conditions. Like, we don't exist in a vacuum, right? Um, our souls are not isolated from um, real, concrete, uh, like, life. We are embodied creatures living in real time and space. Well, he might respond to that and say, yes, we do. We, we agree that we should avoid any monocausal explanations for uh, realities. They're oversimplistic at best. Life is way more complex. Our fallen world is way too messy to simply just say that our anxieties are just caused by one thing. So Jesus isn't denying that there are other factors at play. I mean, think about his audience. They're living, a lot of them are living in poverty. They're under um, oppressive regime. At any minute, they can be uh, um, uh, just taken and, and, and taken away. So he was fully aware of their circumstances, the difficulties. So Jesus is highlighting what he's doing, though, he's highlighting the fundamental problem, which is, is that of the heart. We are prone to wander and to leave the God we love for temporal and monetary goods. That's the problem. He's not ignoring the other stuff. He's, he's in this, at least in this passage, he's tackling the fundamental problem. And I think Jesus is just being a good Reformed theologian. Uh, just, we're prone to it. <laughs> And what I love about the Bible is that its message is so simple. It's so clear. We, we, we like to complicate things. Our world is complex. Our, our sin, sin makes things messy and complex. But the Bible's message is, is of simplicity and clarity. And I love how the Bible, it intends to shine the light of clarity and simplicity into a world that is complex and messy and he's, he's highlighting a fundamental issue. So another objection that you might raise then, so if, so if anxiety is a fundamentally a heart issue, then is Jesus saying anxiety is sinful at every point? Or every time you feel uh, anxious, you should feel guilty and, 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 and repent of it? No. Because as we mentioned, we're body and soul, right? We're embodied beings, and there's a, a complex dynamic, right? And so therefore, addressing anxiety should never, is never a straightforward or simple task. And for some, medical intervention may be required. For others, um, a, just mere change in better thought patterns and habits may be enough. The point is, we should you wisely utilize, utilize all the helps available to us both in God's world and God's word. And I believe that's what he would say. So going back to <laughs> the, the point of uh, Jesus' um, uh, um, issue here, the problem Jesus is addressing is an undue anxiety about life caused by disordered desires. And why should we not be anxious in this way? Because 
Because this, verse 25 says, life is more than food. It's more than water and clothing. It's so much greater than living for these things. It's about seeking the ultimate good, which we will uh, see later, shortly. So the question I have for you is, again, are you struggling with this kind of anxiety? When you look at your uh, finances and your, um, your situation, are you struggling with it because you've been overly attached? Which brings me to my second point, the solution. How, how do we overcome uh, this type of anxiety? Uh, I think Jesus proposes a solution here. We overcome our anxiety by, uh, about our life and our future by uh, three ways. Three ways. First, um, by, by trusting in God's providential care. Verses uh, 25 to 32. And I find it interesting that Jesus here doesn't just like flat out rebuke them. Like, go repent uh, and change your ways. No, he actually deals with them uh, tenderly as a gentle shepherd. He directs them uh, their attention to God, uh, God's providential care. And, uh, and uh, he reminds them of their Heavenly Father's care by first pointing to the birds of the air. Verse 26, Jesus uh, says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What's Jesus doing here? He's making a, uh, a lesser to greater argument to persuade us of his care f- of us. When we're anxious, we, we easily forget. When we're anxious, we're distracted. So he's, he's tend, like as a gentle shepherd would, he, he's, he's reorienting their vision to his care. And what's he saying though? The birds of the air, you see, the birds of the air, don't, they don't work, they don't toil, they might, like, scientifically, but, like, you know, like, just as an a, a analogy, they don't, they don't, like, work for their food. God provides, God provides for them. You've never seen an anxious bird. And, and so if God takes care of these lesser creatures, like birds, how much more will he care for you? It's foolish to not think that uh, he wouldn't. And it's foolish because worrying just... It doesn't do you any good. That's what he says in verse 27. It doesn't do anything. In fact, it can actually breed more worry. And then, secondly, he, he, he directs their gaze from the sky uh, to the ground, from the birds of the air to the flowers of the fields. And, and these flowers as well, they neither toil nor spin, but they grow under his providential care. They grow. They keep growing. And he says, Jesus says here, they, they even surpass the beauty and the glory of Solomon. <laughs> even though they eventually wither and perish, and they're used for fuel, the custom of that day was the flowers grow, then they fade, and once they become brittle, they're cut and used for like fuel for fire. And so even if they're, uh, they end up being, uh, being like, you know, casted like nothing, God still cares for them. And so if God cares for these beautifully clothed, perishable flowers, how much more will God, our Heavenly Father, 
provide for you. You are of much more value. Did you know that? Human beings were made little lower than the angels. You and I were crowned with glory and honor, given dominion over all of creation. You were created in his image to, to, to bear his image, to bear the creator's glory, to reflect it, his, his beauty and goodness. Are you not of more value than they? And in, in a particular way, as children of God, aren't you even more valuable to God? Purchased by his blood, adopted as, a, adopted as his family, set apart, chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that's who you are. God's special and prized possession. Of course, you are of more value. And so your heavenly father cares for you because you are of, of, of more value to him, but also because he's just a loving, uh, a loving and caring heavenly father. Verse 31, 32 the Father knows that you need these things that the Gentiles seek after, right? And so he says to, to them again, therefore, verse 31, don't be anxious about what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the Gentiles seek after these things. And if you don't, you're, you, you, it's reflective of a little faith. And here's a mild rebuke by Jesus. It's the opposite of undue anxiety, little faith. So then the call here for you and I is to grow in faith. Grow in faith. Grow in trust in your heavenly Father because he cares for you. Because you are more precious to him. How many of you can testify to God's care for you this morning? Right? He, he woke you up. He, he brought you here. He's fed you. He's nourished you. You didn't go hungry. And I know many of, you can, many of you can share countless stories of when you didn't know where the rent, was, rent money was going to come from. Uh, you didn't know where you were going to live the next day. But you never went hungry. God has come through. You remember when he said, at the time it could not be more precise. That had to be God. That had to be God. One of my favorite um, uh, Articles in the Belgian Confession, Article 13, uh, on the providence of God. We believe that this good God, after creating all things, did not abandon to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will, in such a way that nothing happens in this world without God's orderly arrangement. This doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father who watches over us with fatherly care, sustaining all creatures under His Lordship so that not one of the hairs on our heads, for they are numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. In this thought we rest, knowing that God holds in check the devils and all our enemies who cannot hurt us without divine permission and will." Beloved, we live in an anxiety-provoking world with bodies that are frail and fallen. We live with souls that are vulnerable to worries, but we serve a God who knows all our needs, cares us, 
for us, even down to the birds and flowers. So we, tr- we, we, we overcome anxiety by trusting in God's care, but we also overcoming, overcome it by uh, loving God first. Uh, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So while the Gentiles who don't know God as their father seek after uh, temporary goods, we as people of God are to love God above temporal goods. And God promises then to give to us um, what we need. So what is he, what is he driving at? He's, ex- he's exhorting, exhorting us to seek his kingdom first. Again, he's contrasting here between the Gentiles and, 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 uh, and, and the people of God. The Gentiles are ambitious for temporal goods, while God's people are ambitious for God as their ultimate good. They love and desire God as their supreme good, and on this account, they seek his kingdom and, and his righteousness. In other words, they love his reign, and they love his way of righteous living under his reign. And, and this is harking back to what Jesus said earlier, right? Where your treasure is, um, there your heart is also. Um, the Greek word for anxiety comes from words, different Greek words, meaning um, part, peace, division. And, and uh, one commentator writes based on that, um, the anxious heart is a divided heart. It's pulled in all directions, and it's in constant affliction as a result. So undue anxiety is a distracted heart, from, and it's uh, divided between loyalties, <laughs> um, between God's kingdom and our own, between his ways and our ways. And our desires are loyalties between... Um, when our desires... Our loyalties between something in, in creation and, and, and something in God, uh, and in God, that leads to distraction. So the problem here is, is that we have made a lesser good like money. It's not bad, it's good, but it's a lesser good. And we made it uh, an end to themselves rather than the means to the end. And I, I reflected on this why do we typically do that? Why do we make money as an end so easily? I think it's because, like, we, we, we naturally long for security too, right? And we're trying to assuage our fear of want, of lack, by accumulating stuff. We think, like, when, uh, when we think, we think that uh, the more we can save, the better security we can have, and, and the more peace as a result. Like, we try to overcome worries of, like, like, what if I don't have enough food? What if I don't have food tomorrow? What if I can't live by, by, by ambitiously pursuing more? Thinking that if I had just had a little bit, just a little bit, if, I, if my savings account just had, like, that much, you know, then uh, I won't worry anymore. But <laughs> Jesus saying, uh, is, what Jesus is saying is, is that that's not going to work. Um, and he's offering a better way. He's, he's offering a, a, an invitation to trust and to orient our hearts, uh, hearts towards God 
the only one who can actually provide for you. Um, uh, Rebecca DeYoung in uh, Glittering Vice, her book Glittering Vice, um, on the section on, on, on greed, right? She says this, uh, I think it encaps- encapsulates the point. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount links contentment and freedom from anxiety with where we place the source of ultimate value and emphasizing the ephemeral nature of earthly goods, which can always be lost, always be spoiled, or taken away. And in the search for lasting satisfaction, nothing we grasp for ourselves can ever make us fully secure from, from lack. So let me ask you, uh, beloved, have your heart's desires uh, been disordered? Have you been uh, preoccupied with uh, money and possessions uh, leading to this, uh, this worry? Perhaps you've been engrossed in, in, in possessions and, and that the thought of even just like a, even a thought of detaching, your, uh, detaching from it to seek God, it, it's, it's actually frightening. <laughs> it's scary because you've been so like, like, you know, like, this is where I find security. To detach from it and to seek God is frightening. And, 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 and what I love about this radical um, invitation is not uh, um, just an invitation alone. It's accompanied with a radical promise. Jesus is showing, again, his, uh, his compassionate heart, uh, his empathic heart, Right? Verse 32, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he, he's very aware of our fright, uh, of, of this uh, um, detaching from our treasures. And so he's saying, you could, you could detach, and you could seek me first, and, and you'll be fine. You'll, you'll be secured. I, I promise to take care of you. And we know for God's people, all of God's promises are yes and amen, right? Um, this, this, this is a, a sure thing. Um, we don't have to doubt. And um, so he's saying it's okay to let go and trust me and love me first. But finally, the third way to, to, to overcome this undue anxiety is uh, hope. Hope in God's uh, future kingdom. Hope in God's future kingdom. Verse 33, again, I get this from verse 33 and verse 34. The problem with anxiety is that at its core, it's set down on earth, in the present. It's set on this this age rather than the future age. It sets on temporal realities, not on eternal ones. And and Jesus here is offering us a, a radical freedom from undue anxiety, by placing our hope in the coming kingdom. Jesus says in verse 34, each day has, this, has enough troubles. He's talking about the future. <laughs> and what he's saying here is we become like unduly anxious about tomorrow because our tomorrow doesn't go far enough. <laughs> it needs to go as far as eternity future. Only a tomorrow that reaches as far as eternity future is able to bear the the heavy burden 
of anxieties, the heavy, the, the cares of this world. Jesus is imploring us to not see, simply seek the, 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 the present kingdom. More importantly, he's imploring us to, to seek the coming kingdom. Uh, that's what we miss here in the seeking. Seeking is not just loving the present, it's also hoping in the coming and eternal kingdom. And the days, Paul, <laughs> the apostle Paul, he says the days of God's present reign, these are days of sorrow. And in modern equivalence, these are days of anxiety. Uh, but, but the day of God's final kingdom are the days of shalom and endless joy and peace. And God's kingdom will fully be established on earth and we will be freed from undue anxiety about what to eat, about what to drink, about what to wear. We're going to be freed from anxiety and fear. We will be free to love God supremely, without hindrance, without difficulty. Free to love God and others in and for God. And there in the eternal kingdom, no one will ever lack food. No one will ever lack food to eat, water to drink. King Jesus will host a feast on Zion, and we will feast, brothers and sisters, we will feast gathered from every nation, tribe, and tongue, and we will enjoy ultimate beatitude in God for all eternity. Nothing beats Korean barbecue, but I anticipate it's going to be way better than that. Right? Isaiah 25, 6 to 9. This is what the prophet Isaiah saw. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away every tears from all faces, the reproach from, of all his people. He will take away uh, from all, um, all earth. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So the call here is to seek the kingdom first, to anchor your hope in the coming kingdom, to face your worries and fears about your future. I'm going to close here now. Um, the great irony, the irony about concern for possessions is that when we try to save without relying on God, when we try to seek these things without seeking his kingdom first, it does not result in peace, and you know it. You know it from experience. It doesn't give you the security that you were hoping to attain by providing for yourself. And often it results in more anxiety, and that's the irony. Jesus, again, is offering to you and me a better way. He's offering to us freedom from undue anxiety, a shalom that calms the afflictions in our hearts. And um, he's offering a better way to us. So let me ask you, do we want to be a congregation uh, to be free? Um, to be free to give to God and to give to our neighbors, to one another. And isn't that, you know, what we are, are trying to be about at New City? We're trying to be giving to the people that are in need. 
focused on a um, um, singular objective, that is to seek God, then, then we need to deal with our everyday, um, daily struggle with this. When our trust is in God's tender care, when our loves are ordered ultimately to God uh, and His kingdom, when our hope is anchored in His coming kingdom, we can overcome our anxieties about life and future so that our anxieties don't de- de- debilitate us, but serve us and others and honor God. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you that you've sent your son for our um, liberty, for our flourishing, for our happiness. We thank you that uh, you are so wise. Uh, You can see the depths of our souls uh, better than anyone else. Um, You see things that... uh, uh, that none of us can see in our hearts. And you have uh, granted us the privilege to see our human condition in, in our passage. We pray that you would, you would, by your Spirit's power, enable us to pursue uh, this kind of life where, um, where we trust, uh, uh, we live by faith in, in you, um, love for you, and hope, hope in you. God, we pray to that end, and we pray for your blessing um, upon our lives and our families and our churches. We pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.